The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or Webster Rock Hill Ministries, its management, or other hosts or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented by KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, listeners out in listener land. This is in tune with <laughs> I Arnold love Stricker. That listener land. <laughs> I love it. It, it. it is listener land. It is. It really is. It can't be visual land here because we're on radio. I know, but if they could see us back here, they'd be cracking up because during that introduction, I mean, m- me, you, Chris, we are all like into it. Chris is we're like our drummer, out. you know, and he's out rocking out and air drums. Air drums. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just want to. Oh, t- I introduced myself. You okay, didn't I forgot. I, everybody knows me. <laughs> it's, it's Ellie Wharton on the other side of the table there, folks. That's right. In Tune is a two-hour weekly broadcast which focuses and reflects on issues that impact and connects our community and the greater St. Louis area. Our topics include the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, and justice. Our show today is part three. Two weeks ago, we had part one where we replayed an interview by Dr. Terry Jones from the University of Missouri-St. Louis when he talked about the separation of St. Louis City and St. Louis County. And then last week, we dissected the best we could, and I thought we did a pretty good job because I went back and listened to that interview again. We dissected the uh, St. Louis City County Governance Task Force Report to the Community, or better known as Better Together. Just to kind of preview something coming up, um, was able to meet with uh, the former mayors, Felicity Buckley and Mark uh, Langston. And what we're going to do is next week run a, a very special edition one-hour community corner with the two of them discussing it from the perspective of former mayors as well. Which would be very, very interesting to hear. They did a great job. We started out just wanting to do a half an hour show and it turned into a one hour show. And we'll have to find out when those are so we can let the, the listeners know that. Yes, we the will. The listeners out in listener land. They will want to hear it because it's very interesting perspectives from two people who were mayors. Um, and just to kind of tease it a little bit, um, Mark was saying that the mayors, when he was the mayor of Maplewood, that at one time, Maplewood, Richmond Heights, and Clayton had considered consolidating. And so we hear that from his perspective as well. And then, of course, um, Mayor Buckley has a very different perspective on things as well. So okay, I think Mark is listening too. So hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. How you doing? This is like a multiple series because next week we have Pat Kelly from the executive. He's the executive director of the Municipal League of Metro St. Louis, which is the group that of all the mayors uh, in the county, and some alder uh, alder people from the city. <laughs> we have to be correct when we, we say have that now. Aldermen and alder women. So that will be a very interesting uh, show because they have their own uh, plan that they're putting forth. So really, what we're saying is that it's important for our listeners in listener land to listen each and every Friday, eleven to one, to in tune because we are certainly in tune with what's going on. We are in tune because today we are doing a follow up interview with Dr. Terry Jones from University of Missouri St. Louis to give us an update on his thoughts about Better Together and kind of have a have an open conversation about this. Terry, how you doing? Good to hear from you again. Good morning to both you and Ellie. Good morning. Boy, I tell you, I you know, I continue to be amazed by you. I hate to, I, you know, it's not like I'm worshiping you, you know, with a small W, but <laughs> You are a tremendous resource, and I'm so glad that we have you at this time to help kind of dissect this situation and help make our listeners more more informed. Those are very kind remarks. Thank you. Now, Terry, you've had an opportunity probably to really go through this 180-page document, and we're not going to go back and hash that through 
uh, in specific detail like we did last week. But what we wanted to do is get some of your impressions about the task force report, the Better Together focus and what they're going to do, some of their particular kinds of conclusions. One of the points I made last week was that this is very, very good data that has been collected and accumulated. It was very difficult to get some of this data because it was not available. And now we have a consolidation. We have a source. We have a, a reference point. And some of the conclusions are okay, but what I thought a step was missing was maybe this should have gone to the Metropolitan Mayor's Group and gotten some feedback, maybe should have gone to the police chiefs, gotten some feedback, because the data is very, very good. So th- I'm just kind of getting you up to date because I don't know if you had a chance to listen to our show last week. But what what are your initial impressions of this? And then we'll kind of peel the onion back a little bit. Okay. Well, first of all, we need all, all of us who live in St. Louis City or St. Louis County to be aware that this is the most drastic change that would, has ever been made in the United States in a metropolitan area. It's much more far-reaching, for good or for bad, uh, than, say, the Louisville or the Indianapolis or the Nashville models, which have been mentioned on many occasions as we're having this discussion and debate. It eliminates 90 governments, the city of St. Louis, St. Louis County, and the 88 municipalities in uh, St. Louis County. Just then, Let me underscore eliminates. It substitutes one government for that, what's been called, will be called Metro City if it happens, uh, and it puts an enormous amount of power in the executive of that government, what will be called the Metro City Mayor. Now, when you say eliminates local government, that means our mayor here in Webster Groves and our city council will become defunct. Essentially, yes, but technically, no. We'll use Webster Groves as an example. As a municipality, as an independent government, it no longer will exist. It'll be replaced by a thing called a municipal district, which will be a sub-district of the metro city. And all of its actions will be subject to the rulings of the metro city, which is to say it can be overridden by the metro city. The metro city can dissolve it at any time or can combine it with another unit. It will have very limited authority. Basically, the only services that it will be able to provide are trash collection and uh, parks and recreation. It will only have limited taxing powers. Uh, the utility tax uh, on, on uh, for both homes and businesses, as well as the property tax, it will lose its sales tax uh, authority. We were talking about the four points, and I, or actually there were uh, six points that they were working towards. In uh, they were working towards some government, economic development, uh, planning and zoning public safety, municipal courts, policing, fire safety, general administration. What are some of the pros and the cons of the the plan that they have laid out before St. Louis City and St. Louis County? Well, as you know, uh, the fire protection districts, uh, which provide the fire and EMS service to a large part of St. Louis County, are not affected by this. Uh, those of the municipalities that will no longer be in existence to be replaced by these municipal districts will still have the, uh, the responsibility for their municipal uh, fire department um, or the local fire department. Webster Groves would be an example of that. Rock Hill would be an example of that. Glendale would be an example of that. But they, in all likelihood, are not going to have the resources to operate those because uh, they can only increase their property tax by so much, according to state law, up to $1 per $100 assessed valuation. So in all likelihood, those will be 
they will need to join, or the residents of those areas will need to vote to join a um, nearby uh, fire protection district, which has the ability to impose a larger than $1 uh, per $100 assessed property tax. You know, one of the questions that I asked, because recently I had an interview with two different mayors, um, one from Maplewood, former mayor, I should say, one from Maplewood and one from Shrewsbury. And the question I ask is, what happens to all of the city hall buildings once this goes away? Because if we're talking about a consolidation, aren't we going to lose personnel in each one of those cities, all of the city managers and all of the people that work there? So now what happens to all of those buildings? That's a very good question, to which there is not a clear answer, or not a totally clear answer. They become the property of Metro City. That's a clear answer to that. Their public safety employees and their public works employees, people who do the roads, and for example, those functions are among those that will be now be done by Metro City, and those employees will become part of uh, the Metro City government. In the short run, because this will take would take a time to uh, put it fully into place, uh, in all likelihood, uh, those facilities, or at least many of them, would stay in existence, but at some point they uh, might go out of existence, be consolidated. They would no longer be the property, though, of the residents of, say, Shrewsbury or Webster Groves. They would become, as I admit, to repeat myself, they and things like police cars would become the property of Metro City. Well, that's really disturbing because, for instance, in Rock Hill, they had just passed, uh, you know, a bond issue to build a brand new facility. So they have a brand new city hall, fire department, police department that has really only been in existence for one year. So what you're saying is now all of that effort that was made by Mayor Mahan and the people there just kind of goes for naught if this passes. Well, it doesn't go for naught. Metro City has a nice fire station, so I hope they send the residents of Rock Hill a thank you note. Well, and in that, correct, yeah. <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, that that uh, the bonds, the money to pay the bonds will still be in effect. The tax on the property and whatever, if there's any sales tax directed that way, would remain in effect until those particular bonds uh, are, are due and they're, they're paid for. And then once that's done, then that tax would go away and Metro would, would assume any other kind of responsibility for taxing. That's correct. But, um, yes, that's basically the right answer. <laughs> Sounded like you were speechless there for a moment, Terry. Yeah. No, I, I was re- recalling that, so you talked about the fire station. Again, Rock Hill's municipal, the Rock Hill Municipal District, which will be a sub-district of Metro City, will still have the responsibility in the short run of providing fire protection and EMS services. As I said, it's men paying for them all themselves. But it's not going to have the adequate revenue sources, particularly because it no longer has the sales tax to support it. So it ultimately would be passed along to some other jurisdiction. Okay, now, but if you're talking about the police department and the uh, Rock Hill, everything I said was accurate when I said it in terms of the facilities becoming, and the, including police, things like police cars, becoming the property of Metro City. Now, that is a huge encompassing sweep of power. And, and it's almost like a, a, a money, I'm going to say it, it's a money and power grab. Well, it's certainly, a, in the neutral language, it's a very major shift in power. <laughs> it's a major, uh, it's, I, I'll, I'll uh, defer to your neutral, yeah. neutral and it's let, a major shift Let me shift there. <laughs> emphasize uh, how major it is in one other way. Um, once Metro City starts, what would happen on January 1, 2021, 
if the amendment passes in the November 2020 election, then there is a two individuals who have the executive power for the next two years. It's shared by the current county executive, St. Louis County Executive, and the current mayor of the city of St. Louis. So I'll use their names just to make it easier to understand Steve Stinger and Lida Cruson. By late December of 2023, they they have they will write the new charter for the the proposed charter for the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County. That's a major departure from the way in which we do charters and constitutions in Missouri and in the United States. Typically, it's a group of citizens that write it, and then the citizens take that charter, that plan, to a vote of the people, and the, if the vote of the people majority vote has to occur in order for it to take place. In this situation, Lyda Krusen and Steve Stinger will write the charter. They'll present it to the new uh, Metro City Council uh, in early 2023, and unless one third plus, unless two thirds plus one of them objects to the charter, it'll become the charter for St. Louis City and St. Louis County combined now, and the people will not have a vote on what that charter is. And if they want to change that charter, uh, it'll require a two thirds vote of the people to amend the charter in any way. Well, the last time I checked, you know, I don't know about Arnold. But I did not vote for Lyda Krusen. Did you, Arnold? No, because I live in St. Louis County. That's right. So it's interesting, and, and we won't and, even talk about who voted for Steve Stinger. We, that's, that's a moot point there. But uh, we did not vote for Lyda Krusen. And, and the larger majority of the people that are going to be affected by this did not vote for Lyda Krusen because we live in the county. Right. So and if how, you're, of course, a city resident, you didn't vote for Steve Stinger. That's very exactly. So, how do they then get the power to be the ones to write or rewrite this charter? That's what it says in the amendment. The amendment would be part of the Constitution. So we have to follow the Constitution. Because we have to it's follow the Constitution. That's the. Uh, that's kind of what we talked about that, last week. That's, the that's sequence. right. This is getting dicier and dicier as we learn more about it. Okay. Well, let me tell you then one more thing. Um, that takes us through early 2023. At this point, as of December 31, 2022, Lyda Krusen leaves the scene in terms of power. Uh, and then for the next two years, there will be no elections for mayor. There will be for the legislative Metropolitan Legislative Council, but none for mayor. And Steve Stanger will be the mayor for 2023 and 2024. But nobody in the city voted for Steve Stinger to be the mayor. And back for that matter, nobody in St. Louis County would have voted for him to be the, the mayor because his current term ends uh, as of December 31, 2022. Very, very interesting. Ellie's, uh, she has a very interesting expression on her face. Yeah, I just had to like put, put my dentures back in because <laughs> there is something just wrong with that setup. Well, I think the word undemocratic would come to mind. Um, uh, for example, if we want to, to have a new constitution in Missouri, and we, in, incidentally, not that long ago, in the 1940s, we decided we did, we went through the following steps. We voted as a statewide to whether or not we wanted to form a constitutional convention. Uh, we voted yes, the citizens did. Then they had the opportunity to vote on who they wanted the delegates to be. And each state senate district was able to vote for two delegates to send to the Constitutional Convention. Then the convention met, prepared a new constitution. That was all public. The whole process was public, sunshine law and so forth. 
And then the result of that, the Constitution of 1945, was put to a statewide vote of the people, and it approved it. That's a major contrast with having two people write a charter and uh, have it taking uh, two-thirds of a legislature to reject the charter and the, with the people having no role to, at all in approving the charter. You know, I, I see the downside of that. It's very obvious, the downside of that. The upside... I'm wondering what the upside would be, whether it's— Concentrating control. There there you go. I was I was getting ready to go there. Uh, had, had to clear my throat to get it out. Just even to say it, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Incidentally, remembering that we don't know the extent of that control other than to say it'll be major, but the person who will be in control the first two years will have written the, the charter under which he will be the executive. Well, and here's here's another question for you because I'm not, I'm unclear about this, is because currently right now the legislative branches of the city of St. Louis and of St. Louis County are really the the body that puts things forward. The the county executive and the mayor are somewhat figurehead. I think the county executive has a lot more power than the uh, yeah. I was going to I was going to make that correction. The county under the county charter, the county executive is a reasonably powerful uh, executive office. Uh, the mayor of the city of St. Louis under the city's charter is a, a relatively weak mayor, particularly because uh, that office has to share power over the budget with a thing called the Board of Estimate and Apportionment, which includes the comptroller and the president of the Board of Aldermen. So it sounds like they want to correct some of these hiccups in the city charter uh, with uh, the election of some officials and with the appointment of some officials from the uh, new metro mayor. And then that who is really going to have the power then, uh, of course, I'm maybe leading you in this particular question, uh, especially if they're writing the charter, who is really going to have the most uh, authority and power? Are they going to try to share power between the metro mayor and the council or the uh, whatever they're going to call it, their uh, governmental group? Or is it the governmental group or is it going to be the mayor? Who's going to have the most power there? Well, it's going to be very difficult for the uh, legislative body to be co-equal with the executive for many reasons, uh, including the ones we've already mentioned, the executive would have the heads, uh, heads up in terms of writing the charter. Um, the legislative body is part-time. Uh, the pay will be the same as the pay at the current uh, Board of Aldermen, which is about thirty-eight, thirty-seven, $38,000 a year. As, while that, that would mean most, if not all, of the members of that body will need a job otherwise. Uh, they don't have the depth of staff that the executive has, so there's an information gap. So uh, the answer is the executive will have the upper hand. The only question is how much of an upper hand that might be. Now, have they thought down the road that if uh, two-thirds plus one don't like the charter that they write, what are they going to do then? Uh, they go back, the executive goes back and writes does writes a revision until he, in the case, this case it's he, until he can get the, that uh, two-thirds uh, to, to get one-third plus one of the council to go along with it. Or, or you can declare a national emergency, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> are, are those, uh, are they called council, or what are they called? The group? The, like, they're called the Metropolitan Council. The Metropolitan Is the Metropolitan Council going to be elected in 2022, or is that 2024? It'll be elected in November 2022. Uh, there'll be 33 districts. Uh, the map for that will be drawn in 2021 or early 2022 after we have the results of the 2020 census. Now, what do you think about the, you know, that, that's really the, the people's only input is into that body. 
that would be my reading of it as well. Now, what, what do you think about their the data that they've accumulated? You know, I'm kind of a data junkie. Uh, from my past life as an educator and analyzing that stuff. You are probably well beyond the data junkie stage on this stuff. Um, I'm a, a confirmed geek. <laughs> a confirmed geek. Uh, what, what do you think about what they've collected? It's a very mixed bag. Um, they've collected certainly a substantial amount of information, a spreadsheet upon spreadsheet. Uh, the analysis of those data are, is mixed. Uh, so, for example, uh, the comparison that they continue to make between the cost of government in Indianapolis and the cost of government in St. Louis, uh, when I say St. Louis here, I'm talking about the combined city and county, uh, is uh, inaccurate. It's significantly inaccurate because they left out uh, a couple of major features. I'll just mention one of them. Uh, in, in, Indiana, in the UNIGOV, Indianapolis, Marion County, uh, the public health function is done by a special district, not by UNIGOV. Uh, in the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County, public health is done by those respective bodies. So they counted public health expenditures for us. They did not count them for UNIGOV. Uh, that's, that was several hundred million, uh, not a couple hundred million dollars right there. Well, we're going to get ready to take a break here, Terry. Uh, that, those particular kinds of things are, when, when they make mistakes like that, that really sh- Let's things shatter a little bit. It, it loses its foundation of, of what they're trying to propel forward, in, in, from my well, perspective. What was disappointing when my colleague uh, Mark Trano, who was the one that did the found that error, uh, draw, drew it to her attention, their attention. This is actually close to three years ago. Um, uh, they uh, they acknowledged it uh, according to uh, this is secondhand. This is what Mark has told me. Uh, that, but they said we don't we don't want to change ours, and they've never had since. Well, we'll we'll come back to that. We're going to take a break here. We're talking to Terry Jones from the University of Missouri St. Louis. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of Intune. You're listening to KWRH LP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. We've been having a conversation with Dr. Terry Jones from the University of Missouri-St. Louis in reference to Better Together. Now, just for those who are just tuning in, I just want to make sure I understand, um, Dr. Jones, what we talked about in the first quarter. So we're, we're kind of looking at November 2020. There's going to be an election, and in that election, we are going to be able to vote on exactly what? You'll be voting on the amendment that it is, uh, depending on the font, is roughly 24 pages in length. Um, it's longer than the U.S. Constitution, I might add. Um, it'll add about 20% to the Missouri Constitution, uh, and it contains a variety of futures which makes a drastic change in the way in which we govern ourselves in St. Louis City and St. Louis County. Then in 2023, we have Steve Stinger and Lyda Krusen who will then write the proposal for the charter. Is that correct? Uh, no, no, it's not correct. Uh, in 2021, the, the, this government will have a transitional phase. 
that will start January 1, 2021. Uh, and for the next two years, it will be governed jointly uh, by Lyda Krusen and, the, and Steve Stinger. Uh, in the second of those years, 2022, they will be writing the charter uh, that will go to the uh, a body called the Metropolitan Council of 33 individuals, legislators, that will be elected in November 2022. And they, unless uh, one-third or more of them, uh, pardon me, unless two-thirds or more of them object to that uh, charter, it will become effective uh, in 2023. Okay. I think it's important for our listeners to understand that timeline because it seems like if we don't do the right thing in 2020, then all of these other things will fall into place. Is that correct? That's correct. Indeed, uh, one of the things by, about doing this through the Missouri Constitution is it makes it much more difficult to undo them in case you made a ma- major mistake or even a minor mistake. Which is one reason why they withdrew their petition, maybe, uh, this past week, and then they reinstituted it with the Secretary of State's office. Would that be Correct Could statement. be you would have I, um, I you would have to ask them as if that was part of their motivation. I, I assume though that it was to make sure that the that, that to the extent possible they had done everything that was going to be legally uh, defensible. Now, do you expect that uh, if this does pass, that there would be some challenges in the courts related to this? Uh, I think the challenges are more likely to come before it goes to a vote of the people uh, about the constitutional language. Um, and whether or not uh, it violates uh, or is in, comports with various aspects of that. Um, the Missouri Constitution, for example, says you can only address one subject in a constitutional amendment. Uh, if you might recall, that was, argument was made against what became known as the Clean Amendment that was on the ballot in November 2018. Um, the... Um, so it will probably get challenged on that basis. It might be challenged on other bases. Now, as, as I'm looking at this, um, having to be a statewide vote for the reasons that you stated, and we, we've talked about those two in the past, what other implications would this be for, because we talked about this, what other implications would this be for like a Jefferson City, Columbia, wanting to uh, get to get things together and maybe say that they want to be better together. Or uh, maybe a uh, Kansas City and St. Joe, they want to create this monster city up in the the northwest part of the state. Well, the Missouri Constitution only uh, anticipates, well, first of all, the Missouri Constitution is um, very flexible in its language about units of local government that want to do things together, all all the way up to including getting married, uh, joining together. Uh, that they can do that, so there's a so that that's already a, allowed under the Missouri Constitution. Okay. Now we talked about yes uh, yesterday, last week, an equity assessment of the St. Louis region by the Public Policy Research Center at the right. university. There, you're probably familiar with that. You may have yeah, the, written the, with the that. Mark Trandell, Trandell that I referred to previously also did that report. Now that's very very good information. We went through that, and really it outlined a lot of things that, and if if I re, am recalling this correctly, that when we do things together, everybody benefits. That when we actually, if we, if we focused on improving things in the black community, are the economic revenue that would have been generated for the entire region would have been huge and we would have been we would have risen much more as a region than we have am i correct in this statement fully agree there's no guarantee though uh, that a having a single unit of government uh, would uh, engage in redistributive policies 
um, or not. It, it would have to be seen. There's nothing in this amendment that either dictates redistributive policies or prohibits them. Which is, which is one of the things that really bothered me. When we contrasted and compared these reports last week, we looked at Better Together, and there really wasn't anything addressing the things that the uh, equity assessment of the St. Louis region had in it from the, the Public Policy Center. And those are the particular things I think that are, you know, are, are we covering up, uh, are, are we just trying to, rather than do some surgery or put a Band-Aid on, are we trying to cut the leg off in spite of what's going on? Or what are we trying to do here with this uh, Better Together proposal? Well, that's a question obviously better asked of Better Together, uh, because um, I think the outcome of this, one of the outcomes of this pr- proposal is that it's so drastic, it changes the, uh, it is so undemocratic, uh, it's in all likelihood going to be rejected soundly by the voters of St. Louis County in this statewide vote, that we're running a very strong risk of ending up after the November 2020 election of having a, a amendment to our Constitution that dramatically changes how St. Louis County and St. Louis City govern themselves that did not receive majority approval by either the voters of those two jurisdictions. So they're going to be very upset, and we're going to have a great level of dis, levels of distrust and a great inability to do things together. So ironically, uh, an attempt to make us better together is in all likelihood going to divide us more. Now, aren't we also looking at examples of other cities and regions that have done this and really have not found it to be successful? Well, first of all, this is not nearly the same as what either Indianapolis or Louisville or Nashville did. This is a, a different order of the, the merger or magnitude. Um, for example, Indianapolis did not get rid of any of its municipalities, nor did Nashville, nor did Louisville. And Louisville has even more municipalities, I might add, than we do. Um, so it, it did not take away that level of local government. Um, it, it was basically consolidating some services. Um, Indianapolis did not consolidate its police service. It, Unigov went into existence in the late 1960s. Uh, they did not consolidate police services uh, until the mid-2000, roughly 2005. Um, so uh, we can go one by one and, and not see these. Um, if you're asking uh, you know, what the difference did it make, um, there have been studies. Uh, and we, as, we, as I relate some of the findings of these studies, we need to remember that it's a fairly limited number of places that have done it. Um, so, but in any case, what have we learned from that? Cost savings are, are tend to be very modest at best. Uh, what do I mean by very modest? One, one or two percent less. Um, it, they're not as dramatic as the Better Together report. This is not in the amendment, but in their report, suggests that there will be at least two hundred and fifty million dollars in cost savings. Uh, that would be over ten percent in cost savings. Uh, that's highly unlikely to occur. Two, uh, several things happen that keep that from happening. Um, first is that when you combine units, let's take a police department as an example. Um, if a patrol person, everything about them is the same, the years of service and so forth. If one position in one department is paying 50000 and another who's 60, you're going to need a new pay scale. Um, which one are you going to do, use the higher or the lower? Well, in all likelihood, you're going to use the higher because that would otherwise you would have to go through the, your department to several of your, a lot of your staff and say, oh, by the way, you're getting a 20% decrease in your salary. So that raises the average cost of, for example, a public works employee 
or a police officer. Um, second, uh, when you combine units into a one mega city of 1.3 million people, guess what you're going to have? You're going to have bureaucracy. It's, it's inevitable. And um, uh, bureaucracies tend to develop their own momentum uh, to grow, grow, grow. Um, so, yes, you'll have 50 fewer chief police chiefs, but you're going to have more deputy police chiefs who will want a, an assistant to the deputy, who will want an assistant to the assistant. So you tend to create bureaucratic middle-aged, middle government, or middle management, pardon me, uh, bulge. Um, and those are permanent changes that keep cost savings from occurring. Then there's the transition cost, uh, which over the first few years will be significant. You know, think of the complexity combining all of these things. You mentioned the Rock Hill example. Multiply that by about 500. Yeah, Th- that's what really concerns me because I do look at, you know, people in the positions now, city planners, all of the staff in those positions. Um, all of a sudden, we we lose very, very talented people. And I look at those people saying, well, you know what, I need to move out of the area and go find some place where I can make the level of, of, of income that I'm making, but also that is looking for the kind of services that I can provide. So don't we, we then become like we, we have a brain drain? Yeah, we, we are blessed in St. Louis County uh, with having so many well-run municipalities that are the models of small-D democratic government. Yes, we have a few that are struggling, and yes, we need to do something to make those struggles end and improve municipal services in a few parts of our county. Uh, but for the most part, uh, we have the Webster, the ones that you, your listenership live in, Rock Hill and Glendale and Webster Groves are all excellent examples of that. Um, yeah, the people managing those municipalities will have to go elsewhere, and we're going to lose them as talented government civil servants uh, in our community. Now, I have a, a question as it relates to the sales tax pool. What happens to that pool, and does it continue? Is it distributed differently, or what? What Because I, I was having difficulty reading that from the report. Well, that's a very good question, <laughs> and to which the answer I have is it's unclear to me um, as to uh, it, it's un, it's clear. Uh, the clear part is that Metro City it goes all to Metro City. So forget the the. The concept of point-of-sale cities and pool cities will no longer exist. All sales tax dollars go to Metro City. So they'll distribute it as they see fit in a particular area. So, for example, your Webster Groves Municipal District, uh, which the only similarity is going to bear to Webster Groves now is it will have the same boundaries. Uh, it, it, it will have the same leadership, um, but uh, it will not have the same authority. Uh, it, an, an example of it's not having the same authority, under the amendment, it has to submit its budget. All fiscal years will be January 1 to December 31. Uh, the Webster Groves Municipal District will have uh, three months in advance of that January 1 to submit its budget for the next year to Metro City, uh, as what revenues it's going to collect and how it's going to spend them. Um, it can, in that budget, ask Metro City for support, um, and Metro City can choose to grant it or not. Metro City will have to approve the budget uh, before Webster Groves can spend any of its monies uh, during the ensuing fiscal year. Uh, that's when I distress. That's why municipal districts are really sub-districts of Metro City. They're not independent government jurisdictions. They're not in control of their own services. That's, you know, where, when you were talking at the end, it reminded me of a thought that what happens if a municipal district wanted to secede from the metropolitan city? 
now you're see you're talking in corporation talk, Arnold. That's no longer allowed. Um, uh, the uh, you will not have right now in St. Louis County. Uh, you have the right as a citizen um, to, if you're living in an unincorporated area, to see if you can get a group of your citizens together and say, let's incorporate it as a city. If you're incorporated as a city, you have the right to get a group of your citizens and say, hey, I don't like this incorporation. Let's stop being incorporated. And there's a process for you to follow uh, that is driven by and large by majority rule. If a majority of your citizens agree with you, it happens. If they don't, it doesn't. Uh, that'll all go away. Wow. So that's, it's a pretty sweeping uh, loss of particular citizen rights uh, as, as voters and also as uh, municipalities and formulated into one big government and one big uh, person who's going to be running it. And lodged in the Constitution so that to change it, you would require a statewide vote. Now, I know that the Municipal League of Metro St. Louis is coming up with a plan also. Well, it's coming up with a process to have a board of freeholders which would prepare a plan. There you go. Okay. That, that, that's different from a, having a plan. plan. Thank you for the correction of that. And the chiefs of police, did they have a specific plan for uh, unifying the police departments or how they wanted to address uh, the particular information from Better Together? Not to my knowledge. The, the police chiefs group, which is Slack, I've forgotten its exact name, uh, has issued a statement uh, opposing the Better Together plan. Um, but um, I think we uh, fail to realize how much police cooperation already occurs in the St. Louis region. Correct. And has been doing so for a long time. Things like the major case squad, right. things like the regional justice information system. St. Louis City, St. Louis County, and St. Charles County have a single police air force, helicopters, fixed, plane, fixed wing planes. So we do a lot of that already. Uh, and each year brings a little more in the way of cooperation and agreements. So we're moving into those things that make sense to do together, doing them together, and those things that we want to retain a local control, uh, we do that instead. You know, one of the things that bothers me about the, how this was rolled out and how the Met, you know, Municipal League of Metro St. Louis and the Chiefs of Police were ignored pretty much in the process and how a lot of citizenry, because we talked about, what, 450 people, Ellie, went to these specific uh, meetings that they had out of 1.3 million people. Exactly, a very small amount. And, and now they're having their little uh, town hall meetings, and they're only, it's by invitation. You have to sign up, and it's only limited to 150 people, I believe. It's like we're, we're not being very citizen-friendly with, uh, of course, I know what why they're doing that. Uh, they don't want to hear all the negatives about this and what's unfortunate is the good things that have that are in the data that could be given to like the municipal league of metro st louis and say let's talk about this what can we as a region do to address some of these things that we see what what decisions can can come out of this to benefit the region as a whole i i know from my background that's really how research is supposed to be used not to you formulate a plan that you know yeah i think that's good let's just do it and you don't get any other input you get input as to how, what's the viewpoint of that. Were, were you or anybody else in the area consulted with the data and offering your viewpoints? Uh, I can only speak for myself, although I can, I certainly have had asked and had conversations with other scholars in the region. Um, the, the, uh, the answer is uh, when Better Together was formed, and this, this is my, in my case, in 2013, about a month before that was happened, I was approached by Nancy Rice, uh, who's, a, who's somebody I've known for 20, 
plus years, and who I was a friend, um, asking whether or not I could, would sign on. And I said, well, am I signing on to a process or an agenda? Uh, and uh, I didn't like the clarity or lack of clarity of the answer I got uh, because it sounded more like I was signing on to an agenda rather than a process. Uh, so I decided not to sign on. Uh, I was asked by Better Together to do one of their little TV segments um, early in the process. That would be in 2000, early 2014. Uh, I and many other scholars in the region have said, if you need any help or want any uh, dialysis, uh, we're not talking about charging money for it. We're talking about uh, panels or whatever advice, want to run things by us and so forth. Uh, and the response that I, I got, and I think almost everybody, if not everybody else, received was, thanks, but no thanks. You know, th- and that's a shame, because you have spent uh, a huge part of your career doing what you're doing uh, with with the, the research that you've done and your book on the great divorce and the success that you've talked about with uh, incrementalism and how things are working together when we do things in, in groups of small things and let's, let's build on those small successes. Those are the things that should have propelled us forward in this rather than, you know, it's kind of a, you know, we're just going to cut this whole thing off and start over from As, scratch. Yeah, and, and not, again, it, uh, the, the fact that they did or did not consult with Terry um, I'm a busy guy, although <laughs> now that the plan is out, I'm even a busier guy. Um, the, when the, originally the task force that was named was three individuals. It's ultimately expanded to five. Uh, I knew two of the three, um, and again, like them and admire them, uh, Rinda Car- Carr and uh, Will Ross. Uh, and I reached out to them and said, you know, I actually sent them a copy of my book uh, and said, uh, and if, if you want any advice or a reaction and so forth, uh, you know, I'd be happy to do so. Um, I, I, in two of the three cases, I got a, a polite response, a thanks, but, but never was no follow up on them. You know, one last thing, Terry, uh, because we're coming to the end of the show and uh, with this hour, and I again, I want to appreciate I appreciate you being on the show and taking time out of your schedule to talk to us. They did not mention transportation at all, and transportation in our area, even though you know Metro is one of those areas that is uh, it is kind of overlapping St. Louis County, St. Louis City, and part of the East Side. Uh, it really struggles to have some kind of unifying and consistency within it. I was really surprised that they did not any address anything about transportation. Well, uh, legally, uh, Metro is part of the Bi-State Development Agency, which is a result of a Bi-State Compact between the state of Illinois and the state of Missouri uh, in the late 1940s, and whose governance body is uh, 10 individuals, five of whom appointed by the governor of Missouri and five by the governor of Illinois. Um, so you would need to, in order to make any alterations in that governance, you would need to have statutory changes in the state of Missouri and the state of Illinois. And bi-state compacts also have to be approved by the federal government by an act of Congress. So that it takes you down a different legal path. Yeah, we, we know how hard it is to do things in Illinois, and especially on the federal level. So <laughs> <laughs> that, that may never happen. Okay. On the other hand, uh, under the existing uh, law, um, the five Missouri members, while they're appointed by the governor, the mayor of the city of St. Louis and the St. Louis County Executive have the opportunity to suggest and recommend um, uh, who those members might be, even to the point it specifies now in state law 
because uh, that five is an odd number. Uh, they take turns on recommending the fifth uh, so that there's always two people from the, the city or and three people in the county or two from the county and three from the city, and they take turns being the odd one. Um, in the, I, I would read this to say then the new Metro City Mayor will in all likelihood appoint all five members of the, uh, recommend all five members of the Missouri delegation or part of the bi-state government. Well, Dr. Terry Jones from the University of Missouri-St. Louis, thank you very much, Terry, from uh, for for speaking to us today about Better Together and correcting some of our thoughts and our uh, interpretations of this and uh, really revealing a lot of things and peeling back some things that I think are very, very good for the listeners. Well, never will we make such an important decision in our region about how we want to be governed. And it's important that we be able to go out and share the correct information, because not only is there going to be a miscommunication locally, but we've got to make sure that our friends in Cape Girardeau, Kansas City, Springfield, Hannibal, Cairo, you know, Mexico, Missouri, all those different places understand it as well. In 2023, November, 77 percent of the vote will come from citizens outside the city of St. Louis and St. Louis County. That is a staggering number. Well, we, I, part of the reason for this show is to help educate and communicate things that are impacting our region and the greater St. Louis area, and your uh, appearing on the show today has helped propel that forward and give our folks some very, very good information to make some decisions in November of 2020. Terry, thanks again. Thank you. Have a good morning. You have a good weekend. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Boy, was that an earful. I had to, I had to like, reposition my wig on that one. <laughs> You know, because has grown some hair. You were going, oh gosh, I positioned my wig and you're growing hair. Let's see, what is Chris doing in there? Chris is uh, <laughs> looking like, oh, my, yeah, he's losing yeah. hair. I'm going to have to pour another cup of coffee. <laughs> it is true because, again, just listening to it, you still have to hear it and hear it again. Because, again, all of these dates, all of these people, when they're going to do this and that and the other, when we have to vote, when it's going to be a rewrite, when it's going to be this. Right. Boy, that is enough to just make you throw up your hands and say, I'm just not going to do anything. That's a problem sometimes in our country where, well, it's already decided upon, why should I vote? And I've read through this report. I've read through their executive summary several times. I've read this equity assessment region report from Public Policy Research Center. And Terry corrected some of the things the misinterpretation that I had or maybe my misinformation. And it's important really to get all this stuff straight. They are going to propel this forward. I can tell you what the campaign slogans are going to be. Let's have 2020 vision for St. Louis. How about that one? 2020, the election is going to happen, vision. But but really, better together needs to better, they better get their act together. Right, before we can have 2020 vision, huh? Or maybe it should be get your act together. Vote no in 2020. <laughs> That's right. There's going to be a lot. And again, I feel very sorry for the people in outstate that have to learn this because, again, they look they, at us like we're crazy. Like we're crazy. And they're also going to say, well, why does this really impact me? But they don't realize that, you know what? If it happens here, it could happen there. And so, therefore, they do need to pay attention to what is going on here at this time because, okay, after we get beyond 2022, 2024, which one is the next Unigov? And, and as bad as we complain many times about the local municipal governments, when we don't have them and we have large governments and governments do not listen to us, that becomes an even bigger problem. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. Well, we're just going to continue to hammer this one because uh, people need to know. We will. Stay tuned to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. This is KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri.